I guess so. Have you got anything humorous you want to um, get out of the way? No, mate. Never. These days. I just, that's as far as I go when it comes to, um, when it comes to vaguely, not even amusing stuff, just stuff before the thing. I get the feeling we're a slave to the format these days. But it does feel weird just go, just straight intro music and then into us talking. We do need that sort of cold open. I am just a figment of your imagination. Here's Johnny! You are a sad, strange little man. These guys are that. Don't fail me again. That's been going round and round and round in my head. It's a good song. It is. It's a quite a feel-good song as well. Mm. Do you know the Manics used to use that? You don't. You don't know the lyrics. Well, I haven't looked them up. I know it's something about Johnny Yen. I I think the Manics. What did the Manics do? One of their first singles on the first layer of their own, Heavenly, was You Love Us, and at the end, it, they sort of, they finish the song, but then go into a cover of just the tune of Lust for Life. It's one of those things that just, like, perfectly, because when I hear that, and I've heard it, you know, numerous places mm. and whatever, I always imagine them running yeah. around the thing. It's just, it's just, it's so, so intrinsically linked in my brain. You know, there are, there are some films that use different bits of music and, and, and whatever, but yeah. Tom Jones covered it on his Reloaded album. I think he covered it with Iggy Pop, which is like okay. an album of covers. Mm. I saw Iggy Pop supporting the Foo Fighters in Milton Keynes a couple of years ago. It was when Dave Grohl had broken his leg, so it was on that sort of throne of guitars. And fortunately, Iggy Pop did the like the four Iggy Pop songs I know all together quite early on the set, which meant I could go and get a burger. Well, Lost for Life and The Passenger, I can't... I, 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 I want to I wanna be, I I be, be your dog. dog. Yeah, I can't. And there may be another one I was vaguely aware of, but maybe, yeah, the... maybe I'm bored. Mm, I'm not sure. I know that would. Uh, yeah, I don't know too many. I know the famous ones. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I would imagine. I'd imagine I'd I'd be in uncharted territory very quick if I went to an Iggy Pop performance. Do like, the famous ones so I can fuck off. Play something I know. Yeah, Freebird. Kind of interesting watching train spotting again after i actually know edinburgh a little bit now most of it's filmed in glasgow yes yes yeah. <laughs> but they but they they do have some of this sort of edinburgh kind of things and uh, i was like i walked down that street i haven't run away shoplifting and that but you know still have we started the tra- train spotting thing because you started you started going <laughs> hello and welcome you're listening to popcorn bucket podcast with ben and rob hang on names from the first Benton, and actually, you can do all of them. You could do Benton, Benby, Sick Ben. Sick Ben is the, the weakest. <laughs> Spud. Spud, yeah. How and, much can we done with that? And, and Rob. Yeah. This is a regular look at the wonderful world of films, film franchises, and film nonsense. This week is a franchise fatigue episode in which we take a franchise and look at the high points, the low points, and everything in between to sort the perfect pass for popcorn from the sad still bits at the bottom of the bucket. This week, the random popcorn maker of film topics has popped out Train Spotting, which we will discuss with full spoilers from the outset. So it covers Train Spotting and the sequel, T2 Train Spotting, which were released 20-ish years apart, 21 years apart. Yes, yeah, so, well, I, I had a sneaking suspicion that the random popcorn maker of film topics was using again. And, uh, and lo and behold... It, it comes out with this, so I mean, maybe we should kind of lock it in its room. Stage an intervention. Yeah, just you know, we care about it. There was a lot of Iggy Pop and Born Slippy coming out of its room. Yes, an odd choice for a franchise. Not the first films that come to mind when one hears the word franchise, but it has a sequel that I think is, is kind of, people have forgotten about already. Don't you think? The sequel? Yes, yeah. I think so. I think there was a lot of yeah. hype about it. It came out and then that was it. Yeah. So I guess the quote of this episode, I chose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons, there are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got a podcast? 
I, I thought you were probably going to do a, a version of the Choose Life. It's just crying out for that sort of thing, isn't it? It's an iconic piece of dialogue, so... And poster. Um, Actually, on that, we, we don't talk about uh, the DVD menu screens enough. But I I made a note of that too. The, so the, yeah, like, so the, choose play, yeah. choose scenes. But sort of within the within the text, because even the, the yeah the text was like on the on so many university hall posters, uh, that you know, choose life, choose a job, choose a career, choose a family, that sort of thing. But so in amongst yeah. that on the DVD screen, it's got choose play, and it's like choose life, choose a job, choose scenes. It's brilliant! It tickled me. It is. It is really really good. Okay, well, I've got a question right off the bat. I haven't done the, I haven't done the who directed it and when and what. Yeah, it doesn't matter yet. It doesn't matter yet. Okay. Well, well, it does. Obviously, it matters. But the point being is that you mentioned it. Why do you think it's a student film? Why do you think it's one of those things that is? Because it, it, that's one of the films that I think of. Like it's that sort of poster. Mm. It's a very iconic poster, as yes. you said, with all the sort of. It's the black and the there. orange. It's the. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know all of them looking like strung out junkies, mm. and and like what is it about this film that makes it like a student staple and like some are they misunderstanding the whole thing because i've talked before about scarface where yeah. i hate the way that people idolize that film and tony montana mm. i don't know i mean this is always a film that i think i was aware of certainly before like for years before i saw it um because mm. It was all well. I mean, it it turned really around. It was almost advertised as kind of Britain's answer to Pulp Fiction because it sort of came out around a similar time. There's um, it's almost like very specific dialogue. It's very, it's a very British film, mm. a very Scottish film as well in particular. Yeah, I I don't know maybe because I guess it, it's quite hedonistic. I mean, yeah, I think you almost have to forget the fairly horrific bits because it doesn't it doesn't glamorize drug use at no point on my left watching thing that looks really fun or i wish i'd tried that i i can i I can remember being shown a sort of youth club thing i went to almost being shown as an anti-drugs film (laughs) the funny thing is i I was looking on letterboxd for some of the reviews of transporting and someone did say god heroin looks like fun (laughs) it it doesn't it looks it's it's, because it's quite yeah it's, it's quite bleak it's to I don't know. In some ways, I do wonder if you kind of remember the... Because uh, a lot of bad stuff happens in it. A lot of really sad stuff happens in it. And then mm. you've got Lust for Life. <laughs> so is that does that kind of always make you forget? Because, uh, as, as, yeah, same with, as you said, you, you've had a go around your head for a couple of days, as have I. It's, oh. Does that kind of make you forget the, the bad bits yeah. of the film? Because just Lust for Life. I know, and it's 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 relentless as well. That driving, do, driving do, do, kind of like do, 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 rhythm, do, do, and do, do, they're always running, do, 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 always running. Do, 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 I see do, it in my head. Do, do, do. So yeah, well, okay. Get into get into who done directed it and who done started it, and then we'll we'll talk more about the thing. But it was just interesting to me because I did think, oh yeah, it is a student staple, and, and yeah, it's, is it's it, but is it still weird. have things changed? Well, probably maybe. Well, because when we went to uni, it would have been long ago. We we went to you know, it would have been over ten years old. Yeah, but it's still it's still kind of. But it is a, it is an iconic British film. You know, if you yeah. had, a, had a list of the best British films, this the first one would always oh, be train, really near the top. Train spotting will be on there. Yeah, absolutely. But does um, it deserve to be? Let's find out. <laughs> yes. Who directed it, Rob? Danny Boyle. And if you're interested in Danny Boyle and our thoughts on Danny Boyle, we had a Danny Boyle one shot episode, didn't we? Where I looked at Sunshine and you looked at Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, and yep. we've also we, done. We like Danny Boyle. We've also done Twenty Eight Days Later as an episode. Yeah, we quite like old, that, old Danny you. Boyle. Yeah, we like him. Hmm. Yeah, he's a good director. He's he's brilliant. So um. So directed by Danny Boyle from the book, uh, based on the book Train Spotting by Evan Welsh, uh, adapted from a screenplay by John Hodge, starring Ewan McGregor, Ewan Bremer, John Lee Miller, Kevin McKidd, Robert Carlyle, and Kelly McDonald. From the back of the DVD, Heroic Physical Media, Trainspotting, the, the critically acclaimed film from director Danny Boyle that captured the youth of the mid-90s. Hilarious but harrowing, the film charts the disintegration of the friendship between Renton, Spud, or Renton, Ewan McGregor, Spud, Ewan Bremer, Sick Boy, Johnny Lee Miller, Tommy, Kevin McKidd, and Begbie, Robert Carlyle, as they proceed seemingly towards the psychotic, drug-fueled self-destruction. Yeah, that's pretty... pretty much sums it up. Yeah, well, as you said, it, it is... It, it's funny actually that, that it kind of gives away the, the sort of the friendship breaking down mm. I mean you know it's not going to go well for some of these characters but you know that 
I don't know. Maybe they have each other because you know they've been they clearly been friends since school. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they they are long term friends because they've got that sort of like understanding of each other, but like also kind of almost shackled to each other as well, which I'm I know sure that you can't relate to yeah. at all. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you were going to make that joke, so I made it for you before or at the same time you did because we're such good friends. We've been friends for that long, and we do heroin together. And... If by heroin you mean a podcast. <laughs> Podcasts are my heroin. And, and board games. We yes. do board games together. It's interesting watching the kind of thing because, as you said, it doesn't glamorise It doesn't glamorize the drugs. No, it, but people it, were really worried at the time that that was the case. People talked about it in the House of Parliament. Yeah. yeah, well, in the 90s they didn't have too much else to worry about. I mean, they did, but they chose to focus on the scourge of drugs and the, the war of drugs, which went swimmingly well. Mm-hmm. It's it's really, they, they cleaned it up. No one does drugs now. And it's, yeah, it's funny because it shows, it shows the, the realistic side of drugs. You know, like it goes into the, the nitty gritty. So, you know, the whole thing about him going to the worst toilet in Scotland. That is something that, because I've seen this film, I think, in its in full once years and years and years ago um because mm. it's a it, it was at the time i think it was the first film that was entirely produced by film four or the film four put up the whole budget for i think which for them was a massive amount but it's like one and a mm. half million which yeah and so it, it's shown on film four quite a lot so i think that's probably why i saw it say 10 years or so ago or, or more but that actually must be more than that must be probably when i was a teenager because because that worst toilet in scotland is something that has always stuck with me whenever you go into a particularly i guess less than nice Bathroom. Oh yeah, public toilet. Yeah, it's that that, that sort of always pops into my head. You know, the the worst toilet in Cardiff, the worst toilet in Newport. You know. Yeah, but have you ever have you ever gone deep into the bowl to try and get some? And find out you it's, it's, a, it's Atlantis or something. But, yeah, uh, chocolate mousse apparently was uh, all the muck. That makes it nicer. Actually. It does. Yes, because yeah. it is it is stomach churning. Yeah, that scene. It's also a bookies as well, which is. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get why it's why there's a public toilet in the back, but there is. And this is such bad condition. Yeah, so if you guys haven't seen Train Spotting and and you're wondering what the living f we're talking about, just 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 YouTube the worst toilet in Scotland. Well, so it's a film about a group of heroin addicts, and yes. Ian McGregor is. I guess because he's the voiceover, he's ostensibly the main addict, really. And he's trying to... starts off by trying to give up heroin, but just needs one last hit and is given some... Uh, sort of, I guess, are they opium suppositories? Yes. And there's a Slow bit... release, I think, when he's coming down. Yeah. And but, there's, uh, but then he's off the... He's off the heroin. So, and heroin... Apparently, this is something I learned from train spotting. Heroin makes you constipated. And that, again, uh, that is another thing that's always stuck with me, is the... Uh, Heroin's got constipated, and then the the pause with "I'm off heroin, so I'm no longer constipated," and then then just yeah. the run into the uh, the worst toilet in Scotland. Well, you know, do you know when we talked about Pulp Fiction? That's why that's why Don Travolta is always going to the bathroom or whatever. He's constipated because he's on heroin. Yes, I remember you saying that actually. Yeah. Well, Vincent Vega, not John Travolta, but, mm. but character. Yeah. So so yeah. So he he is he is rather urgently unconstipated and has to go. Uh, to go full stop and ends up having to use the worst toilet in Scotland and he's not wrong it is fucking disgusting but then these suppositories because they haven't they haven't had a chance to actually dissipate yet so he has to go diving into a, into to a shit-filled them. toilet to retrieve them um, and then there's a, a sort of fancy sequence that he's underwater and it's like a yeah, it's like he's going to Atlantis and picking up and these glowing kind of rocks, you know. Where, yeah, it's it's grim. And you're just like, did he really climb into the bowl? And then, then you know, like how much of this is in his head? Mm. And then when he goes back home and he's soaking wet and looks, I mean, you can almost smell him. Yeah, it's it's grim. And this film is super sensory like that. I I get a. a, a I kind of want a shower after train spotting. It's a very yeah, it's a very grimy film, and and also none of them are nice people. It's it's, it's a very grotty, no. grimy, yeah, horrible. 
what it's like it's almost like it's all nicotine yellow it smells mm. of stale smoke and god knows what else and you know just just disgusting i i think thing about it the thing that makes it so interesting apart from you know obviously it's very stylish it's very stylized and and some of the stuff it was doing and it's all practical as well because yeah. they didn't have so the budget to do like cgi so like the the the, the scene where he is uh, going into a a, a a trip on heroin i don't really know what the term would be but tripping out i guess and he's sort tripping of, on heroin yeah. okay um he's falling through the floor and that was kind mm. of done in the way you do it in the theater like the trapdoor that moves slowly around and it's yeah it's all practical effects Mm, and it's very, very effective as well. Mm. Because I, I've never done heroin, but I can no. imagine it probably does feel like you, you're sinking into the floor. I, I, I don't want to because of this. <laughs> it, it doesn't make it look nice. <laughs> Only this film. Only this film, yeah. You from yeah. doing yeah. heroin. Yeah. Well, it, that's the thing. It, it's. It's an incredibly selfish thing, isn't it? That's the, the, they the, are... the, the, as always, we jump around talking over the film, but there is the, the the baby of doom, um, or the, so the, there's a, a they're in this heroin. Uh, they call them mother superiors because the the, the drug dealers had a habit longer than anyone's, which is a great line. Oh yeah, it's full of great lines. I've I've never read the book, mm. but yeah, um, I'm sure it's full of great lines throughout, but. So there's a, there's a baby just crawling around this um this drug den and it, it it's really horrible it's it's, it's strange actually because I guess you kind of because it is a black comedy so I think every so often you see the baby and then you, you, you you're horrified because you because it's, you know it's it's in squalor and then you kind of forget because you know there's a a, a, bot, there's a yeah they do yeah so you you yeah. and the audience are almost like forgetting like them but and then there's a a bit where, and it is horrible, obviously, um, the, mm-hmm. the, and because they're all high, the baby dies. And Ewan McGregor's character can't think of anything to say, and they're all sort of, uh, sort of screaming, and he says about how the, the mother was pro- could have been screaming for days or weeks, but he didn't know. And a sick boy, John Lee Miller's char- character, is screaming at him to say something because John Lee Miller is the dad. And he just says, I'm going uh, to go and cook. And so, all, so he goes and starts like um, he, he starts um, yeah, cooking the heroin. And then the mother just comes and sits down and says, "You know, can, can I have some?" And and yeah. and he and and the voiceover just says, "But I go first. That's the rule." And yeah, that the, the whole bit obviously is harrowing and it's filmed so well. that they're all acting the hell out of it, and it is awful. And it's just the way, you know, I go first because I'm cooking. And the callousness, and you're kind of, he's the one you kind of, because you're, he's the audience's way in. And it, you never, the film doesn't go, I, I never think it takes it, sorry, it, the, the film never lets you forget that these are mean people, you know, stealing from their parents and, and, and sort of robbing people over and stuff. But that, it, it's, it's a horrible kick to into an incredibly horrible scene that she's yeah. just lost her child and he still makes her wait for what would make her temporarily forget it well just the whole situation they, mm. they're in that fucked up situation uh, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. because they're always high and then her solution to that and his solution is to get high again so it's it's you know it, it's that sort of vicious circle i mean what i found interesting is the fact that because it's allison isn't it who's who's the mother I think that's her name. And no one knows who the father is, hmm. really. They, any of them could be the father, but actually the one who has the, the strongest reaction is Sick Boy, so yeah. you assume that he's the dad. Um, and he's the one... That, that's why he screams at uh, Renton to say something. Yeah. But, like, yeah, the the whole thing... You you, for, you kind of forget that the... you know Because that's the thing, because obviously you're dealing with unreliable narrators you're dealing with stylistic choices and whatever so initially you're not sure if the baby's real or not and, yeah and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you, you just like is it a hallucination is it a metaphor for something is it you know what's what's going on here and then no it's very real and it's very dead mm. and then that realization is so horrible and it's, seeing it's, on the on the screen as well it's um it's not left the imagination yeah. no. no 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 they and it, it is a 
it is a an absolutely harrowing scene. But lost for life, though, eh? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Let, let put the poster on your wall and stuff. It's yeah. it's bizarre. It's, no, but it's, it's, it's very close because so all I, that happens in ninety minutes that you're kind of horrified and then forget about it two minutes later. It's it's weird. Yeah, and it's just I think it's it's that sort of that reckless abandon that's appealing and and enticing. It's the fact that they didn't give a fuck about anyone but themselves, really. And it it's like, oh, well, I'm going to destroy myself because the world has kind of rejected me. It is a weird one. It is, because ordinarily, I think probably you more than me, I wouldn't like these people enough to, like, continue with the film. Yes. Like, no, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, switch no, it yeah, off and go, yeah. oh, well, there are films in my day, I'm going to watch The Wizard of Oz or whatever. But, yeah. like, uh, you know... It humanizes them enough that you understand their choices. You don't condone them, but you mm. understand where they're coming from. And a lot of them do have kind of very human, weak moments. The, the fact that Renton, he, he, he absolutely wants to, to kick the habit. And, you know, he's, he's an on and off again user. Yeah, every time, he, every time he uses it again, I'm always really disappointed in him. Yeah, exactly, and and you're and you're meant to be. You're mm. meant to be. You're kind of just like, oh, you fucking idiot. So you know, when, and, and when he sells, because there's, so I think it's probably like five. The group, core group of five friends. There's sick boy yes. Renton Spud. You you and Bremer, um, who who, who, yeah. who played Spud in this played Renton in the stage play initially. Yeah, see, I didn't think the stage play was before the film, but apparently yeah. so. Yeah. Mm. Begby and uh, Tommy is uh, kind of the I think the one you forget about, but it turns out that he, uh, the actor who played Tommy, who is Kevin McKidd, Kevin McKidd, wasn't around to do a photo shoot for, to have the individual poster, and then for wasn't used in any promo or anything. Whereas really he should have been, you know, one of the one of the core poster people. Um, individual character posters weren't that usual. They weren't that usual at the time. And yeah, he's the Pete Best of the Beatles. Yeah, when his wife or girlfriend leaves him, and so he then asks for heroin, and then he's the one that dies of it. Well, because of AIDS, isn't it? Because of, because of an AIDS and uh, what, blood toxicology. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it was the cat as well, wasn't it? Because he yeah, he would have cleaned up loads and loads of cash. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So some nasty thing, but he mm. just he just became a junkie and wasted away. And uh, you sort of yeah, see his flat at the beginning, and it's you know it's a fine flat. It's it's not tidy, but it's not bad. And then at the end, when it's a a den of oh, it's just a, it's a fucking hovel, mm. yeah, it, yeah. Well, that's it, and it's and it's because of fucking Renton's bullshit thing. It, if he hadn't stolen their their sex tape, yeah, his wife would have left him. None of that would have happened. Mm. But again, it's like the selfish thing. It's just pure. Pure indulging the then and now. He just wants to. He just. Uh, I mean, he doesn't even use it for its intended purpose. He just watches it with Sick Boy, hmm. and and you know, it's 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 odd. When uh, Renton's finally kind of getting clean, you do root for him. Is that when he's in? Uh, when his parents made him go, making him go, go yes. cold turkey. There's a really yes. good uh, dollies in there, isn't there? Where the sort of it, the the room almost stretches. Mm. They do. A, they do a really really good job of having like his friends appear like around him. Mm. Spiders, obviously he's, he's gone into prison for six months, I think for a crime that Brenton also committed, but got away, you know, got away with. And then obviously then the baby also shows yeah, up crawling up on the ceiling and yeah. Kelly McDonald's, um, Kelly McDonald's first screen role. And she yeah. got it because there was, uh, she found a flyer just after they basically fly out of Glasgow. So she went for the audition. Oh, which is great. Hmm. It, it's funny that most, you know, like like Renton's parents are kind of weirdly they're obviously disappointed that that their lad is 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 using hmm. and everything. But then, you know, they kind of they're still there for him and everything. Yeah, but yeah. they're kind of just like ridiculously kind after everything. Hmm. Like that's the the compassion for their son comes through. Parents are interesting in this one because they do hmm. seem to know how fucked up their children are. But obviously, the most fucked up character is Begbie. Yes, but he's not a junkie. Oh. I, I, I like no. though, that he, and he's really kind of disdainful of them for for using heroin. But he's just yeah. a utter psychopath. Yeah, and Robert Carlyle is so fucking good. Mm. 
Um, it, it is, it is a just this side of funny performance because the, the thing is, you're not, think, you're not always sure like where he's going to go in a scene because yes. it can be fun or it can be yeah incredibly or he, or he can be a psychopath because and... even sometimes when he's being being psychopathic. So that I think there's almost the one where he chases the American guy into the bathroom. That's kind of blackly yeah. funny because it's meant to be during the Fringe Festival, isn't it? And the one yes. where he throws the pint glass just over his shoulder off a balcony without, you know, caring and then going down yeah. and going, somebody threw a pint glass, we're not going to, and I'm going to fight everyone to find out who it was. And and that's all yeah. amusing, of a sense. But the one at the end when he glasses a guy in the pub, in, are they in London at that point? I think they're in London, yeah. yeah. Where he glasses a guy and just, you know, gives him a beating. And, and that isn't at all funny. So it's quite clever. It's a very similar scene, but there's something about his performance that sometimes makes it kind of, I can say, blackly funny in the way that psychopathic characters often are. Well, when spoilers, I mean, this is going to be spoilers for Train Spotting anyway, but mm. when Renton's actually fucked off with the money, you get a whole sequence with Begbie smashing up the room. Yeah. Which is, I mean, great to watch, mm. but obviously, just like this dude has some serious, serious anger problems. He is not right. In um, uh, Roll Kalal gave an interview, sort of in in the sort of the late noughties, where he said that he he assumed that Begbie's prob well, Begbie's issue was that he was heavily in the closet, and that's why he kind of kept striking out. Yeah, which is interesting because because when um, when Renton is going cold turkey. Begbie appears under the covers with him, whereas mm. all the others, you know, are just sort of around the room. Plus that whole bit where he's getting off with what he thinks is a is a woman. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then feels a little more action downstairs, and then then is kind of just like. But what I, what I find interesting about that scene is like obviously he does the standard bloke thing. Oh god, oh, oh, and like gets out of the car and whatever. Mm. But it does look like he's going to go back at some point as well. Like, he can't believe it, but it does look like he goes towards the car a little bit as well. Like, maybe. Okay. But then, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, it, you could you could see it because that that unresolved rage comes from somewhere. Hmm. You know, but it's, it's it's such a good performance. I love Robert Carlyle. Your favourite, I assume, is Spud. Not, not really. Why do you like Spud? He's all right, but... What the fuck? What, you're a sick boy, man, eh? I like him, yeah. Also, he's the only non-Scottish person there who's just doing an accent. Oh, okay, so that's why you like him. Yeah, yeah, because he's... Any Scottish listeners out there, Rob likes the only non-Scottish one. No, I I, I, I do like him all, but Spud is probably my least favourite. What? I think it's possibly because he doesn't have too much... I don't know, I guess... there's nothing. I think it's. I think it's actually possibly because the uh, the the bedsheet scene. I think yes, yeah, that's the, what I'm like. The, the bedsheet scene is definitely. Um, yeah, if you're not a fan of of feces, this is not film for you. I mean, I'm not a fan, but. No, you're a huge fan, aren't you? <laughs> um, Apparently, a lot yes. of locations refuse to give filming rights to them because when they found out what the film was about. Yeah, well, Blondie refused to give. Mm, atomic, yeah. Atomic for the actual thing, and they had to use a cover version, which sounds very similar to the original. Yes, Spud is my favorite because he's kind okay. of he's kind of the innocent. He's he's not on the same level as the rest of them in terms mm. of intelligence or anything like that. And I love the job interview scene as well, where he's where he's he's got some speed. Yes, and so so then he's just like a motor mouth. <laughs> Uh, so 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 he won't get a job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. He he wants to he wants to show that he's willing to get a job, yeah. but he also wants to talk his way out of getting the job. So he takes some speed, and uh, and his interview is great. But I also like when they are pretending to be big time drug dealers. He's got his yellow shades. Yeah, he puts those on, and and what I like is is when the when the uh, when Keith Allen. And the other Alan, I can't remember which Alan it is, they step out and then they step back in and you can see him like grapple for his shades again. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that those that's his like disguise, which is great. The evil dog from uh, Oliver Twist got shot. Uh 
when they're lying in the park is at the beginning Renton and oh, Sigmund yeah. and they shoot the yeah. dog it's one of the evil dogs from uh, Bill Sykes dog from Oliver Twist uh, Bullseye Bullseye yeah yes that that one did that scene did feel a little a little off with everything else that's probably I, don't, I, I mean I don't know whether that is taken from the book maybe because apparently yeah. the book has got loads more characters and loads more little stories of vignettes in it. Mm. But them, them kind of like hanging out with a with an air rifle just in the park, shooting mm. dogs and but, people. And yeah, like... but I put it to you, it was the horrible dog from Oliver Twist, so that kind of makes it all right. Okay. Oh, that's fine then. I find it frustrating because because you and you know to the film's credit, that's what it wants you to do. When when Renton cleans his act up and he goes to London. And then the sort of drip feed of mm. his shit cake friends yeah, yeah, from yeah. from Scotland, and it's just first Begbie, which is just the worst. You don't want Begbie showing up at your door. And he leaves his place um, on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His place is fine before before they get. There. But that's the thing; it's the rot, isn't it, that mm. sort of follows him. So yeah, did you notice the Beatles references? I read about them after about them afterwards, but I, I I didn't pick up on them at the time. Yeah, I I didn't. I mean, I it's been quite a while since I saw. It's uh, also before this. Obviously, I rewatched it for this. It had been a while, and yeah, I I I mean, obviously, there's the very famous Abbey Road kind of thing where they're they're crossing, and it's very similar. But I what I really like is the Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts when when the train goes by. They're in the same configuration that the Beatles are on the back of Sergeant Pepper's. Okay. Because he's facing the wrong way around. And Mother Superior, I believe, is is also a, a Beatles reference. And there are like numerous, numerous ones. So that's why I say he's Tommy's kind of the, the Pete Best because he he isn't isn't really kind of like in the main four. Mm. Yes. Yeah. You always wait with with these kind of like iconic and pivotal. Films. I mean, this is, you know, this is a landmark in British yeah, filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is absolutely like, as you said, you can't get much more British than this or Scottish. Mm. But like, it, it, this is a British film, and you kind of expect, especially with stuff where it was like a big deal in the nineties, you kind of expect it to have aged badly, in in a way. Like, I think yeah, Box yeah, yeah. has aged badly. The the dialogue is still fun. But I think the sort of the Guy Ritchie kind of like turning the camera around and shit like that is a bit sort of like juvenile now. Whereas actually the Danny Boyle shows way more skill with the camera and way more kind of flair. And it still works. It still all works. It's it's a fucking fantastic film. It's so damn good. And it it's as you said, like you don't it it is it is absolutely both the best advert for drugs and the best anti-advert <laughs> for drugs. It's 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 a grim old time in places, but it's also fun, and it manages it manages to kind of toe that line. And you know, you do you do get some sense of closure at the end because you think Renton's finally fucking free. Yeah, and he gets a bit more bad and. Yeah, and that's that's a nice thing because again, Spud deserved it. Spud, poor old Spud. I w- I was expecting it to sort of be like not as sort of not revolutionary, but certainly certainly not as fresh or as as edgy as it once was. And and there is there is a little bit of that, but no, it still just works because these are amazing performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating characters. And some of the best sort of visuals to music that's, that I can think of. Yeah, the soundtrack's it's, cracking. The soundtrack's really, well, really good. The, that's where the, where the British Pulp Fiction thing comes mm, into yeah, it. It's yeah, just yeah. like banger after banger and deployed expertly. It's, it's fucking fantastic. And I'd forgotten how much I liked it. And, and I watched it this time and I was just like, this movie... You know, because you you think of Danny Boyle moving on to sort of like bigger and better things. This was his kind of like, not necessarily start, but like this was the where he got yeah, put on the he, map. Did, he did Shallow Grave before with Young McGregor. Yeah, yeah, but this was this was the mega hit. This was the 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 for all intents and purposes out of nowhere kind of 
holy shit who is this guy who are these people mm. and and you know it it, it it gripped people yeah and you think oh you know he's much more kind of like evolved filmmaker but no you can see it even back then like the dude knows his way around the camera knows his knows when to focus on certain characters like catching subtle things that other directors don't and yeah i i fucking love danny boyle and i like ewan mcgregor and Johnny miller and fucking everyone in this this film i really do so it's I just was, damn good i always thought the title was to do with the sort of tracks and rams from heroin use and that's what it's train spotting mm. but um Irvine Welsh, the author has said that it's it started out as a euphemism for taking drugs because it's often done at a done at a train station but the term actually evolved to describe an obsessive hobby that is not understood by people who do not practice it, such as train spotting. So the unusual hobby is heroin, that something only the people who indulge in that past don't truly understand, and to them it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Oh, amazing use of perfect day as well. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So. Should we move on? Yes. To T2. 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 Train spotting. Yes, nice jokey little title there. I love the title, and I can't remember. You, you, was it before you said you're not that that you're a bit irritated that they did it? But I think it's brilliant. He didn't want to call it Trainspotting Two, and realised that, and and sort of said that if the characters had themselves had um, been told to come up with the title, they probably would have called it something like T Two because that's yeah. pretty much what people call Terminator Two, even though that isn't called T Two. And it's not, Terminator 2 is not registered, sorry, Terminator 2 Judgment Day isn't registered anywhere as T2. So they could call this sorry, film it just, T2 Trainspotting. It, it, became, it became the whole kind of like ID4 thing for mm. Independence Day, didn't it? It was just like the thing that, that they had on uh, marketing, whatever. But yeah, it is funny. Yeah, no, 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 it's growing on me. I remember it annoying me, not to the point where I've been annoyed by other stuff, but like, you know, kind of just like, I, I thought it made it a little bit too jokey, but then having watched this film again, I'm kind of like, yeah, and that makes all the sense in the world, yes. If they were in charge of naming it, they would name it that without a hint of irony. The Film Stories podcast, they do two films, or he does two films every episode, and usually they're not connected, but for he, he, he did one about Terminator 2 and T2, which mm. I quite liked. So, yeah, so the from the back of the DVD... First there, was, first there was an opportunity, then there was a betrayal. 20 years have gone by, much has changed, but just as much remains the same. Mark Renton returns to the only place he can ever call home. They are waiting for him. Spud, Sick Boy and Begbie. Other old friends are waiting too. Sorrow, loss, joy, vengeance, hatred, friendship, love, longing, fear, regret, dimorphin, self-destruction and mortal danger. They are all lined up to welcome him, ready to join the dance. Mm. It's weirdly poetic. I like that. That was a good, uh, good description. Yeah, yeah, I know, but that's, that's weirdly poetic for a blurb. So it was released in 2017. Mm. It's, uh, it's based on uh, Trainspotting and Porno, which is a follow-up by Evan Walsh, directed by Danny Boyle, starring Ian McGregor, Ian Bremmer, Johnny Lee Miller, Robert Carlyle, and Shirley Henderson, James Cosmo, and Kelly MacDonald, and Aniela Nedjilovka. That's uh, Veronica, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, so I hadn't yeah. seen this film. Oh, well, please, Lee, what did you think? I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. Um, I think it's probably yeah. fun, consistently funnier than the first one. It doesn't have yes. any of the harrowing you know, child death or, um, uh, or death of their friend that they got hooked on heroin. We, we've done quite a few legacy sequels now because we've done uh, Bad Boys for Life. We've done... No, we haven't done... We, uh, I was going to say we've done Top Gun, but we haven't, but... We, we talked we're about, going to be doing Top Gun, yeah, at yeah. some point. We, we've talked about a few legacy sequels and kind of whether they're trying to have the same, hey, remember this, this was great. Whereas Jurassic Park, I think, I think we talked about recently, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Yes, we did. Whereas I think this sits on the right side of it. I, I really enjoyed it. It's, I, I like that it's how nostalgic it is and how it is kind of like looking back at you know, looking back to a time when you were much stronger or had the world in front of you and now you're sort of that much older and you don't have that much time, you know, as much time left. Going back to sort of seeing the same faces and places from when you grew up and how much of that has changed. Danny Boyle is a phenomenal director and it's interesting watching these two guys together to sort of see how much his directing style has changed over the years and the sort of the different things, techniques he's he's learned. 
yeah, there are proper, proper lovely stylistic things. What was your favourite? Is my, it Taxi? No, my absolute favourite was when, so to jump, jump ahead a bit, uh, when Renton mm. goes home to see his dad and they sat at a table, so there's a table against the wall which was set for three, so it's mm. his dad, Renton and his mum, and his mum has passed away, so it's just James Cosmo who plays his dad and Ewan McGregor and where Ewan McGregor is sat, the shadow his shadow is cast against the wall to be where yeah. his mum was, and that was phenomenal I thought. Yeah, yeah that is that is a very, very good one yes, the, there's also a bit where they're in a taxi and you get a scene that's sort of projected onto the side of the taxi but like in a in a non-shitty perfume advert kind of way in like a actually decent kind of cool way there are there are some really really cool uh shots and you can see definitely the evolution of his style i'd seen this before but once and i i remember being sort of a bit underwhelmed by it i don't know why but watching it back this time i really enjoyed it well, the first one is a yeah. film completely about heroin and drug addiction, whereas this isn't. This is a film about being old and, I guess, trying to find get back that kind of well, misspent yeah, youth. It's and, got and... that sort of nostalgia kind mm. of combined with melancholy. Yes, it, it, yes. The film it reminded me most of is The World's End. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah I'd agree with that, actually. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's got that sort of thing where, where the sad thing is that your that mates haven't really moved on. Yeah. None of them have really moved on from from where they were twenty years ago, and mm. there's there's an inherent sadness to that. And well, there's a bit. One of my favourite lines is when Sickboy says to Renton about you're sort of like you're a tourist in your own youth. Yeah, exactly. Because and it's almost almost criticising you as a viewer of the film. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. It's like wanting wanting that nostalgia, wanting that sort of thing, but it's that's not reality, you know. I, I like the opening that sort of mirrors the first one because instead of running from I think they robbed John Menzies in the first one. But in this, uh, Renton's running in a gym in Holland. So you've still got the orange, which is quite, you know, those first films, orange is used on the posters and the text, wasn't it? But, yes. So I, I like that, that, yeah, he's running on a um, on a treadmill. And that is cut with children playing. It's meant to be all of them. Like, and mm. sort of the, 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 you know, the kid that's meant to be Ewan McGregor has Ewan McGregor. And in the background, you can see a, a child that's Tommy, um, the one who dies in the first film. Mm. a kid with curly hair but it, obviously the, the actor's name isn't against him because he's not in the film yeah I, I like the, um, uh, the the cut footage there's a fair amount of sort of flashback flashes back to yeah sorry flashbacks to the first film where they sort of cut cut it in you know if they go to a familiar place so there's a bit where they uh, walk up I don't know if it is Ben Nevis but walk up a mountain and you see them there when they're younger and it's it, it's done very well I think yeah absolutely I like that they really hold off on lust for life as well. When yes. when he goes back to his his childhood room where where he recovered from heroin, and he puts the vinyl on and just does the first opening. You get the boom. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then you know takes what it. it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, sorry yeah. that that opening bit you got perfect day, but on a piano really subtly. Well, that was good. From when you when you oh, see them playing in a, a, uh, when you see the kids playing football, and it's mm. so it's it's. It's not full blown. It's a little bit of it, kind of quite low down the mix, but it's, it's beautiful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought it sounded vaguely familiar, but I thought you know music from the first one, like mm. just you know some of the some of the actual score. But um, yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I this is this is how you do your legacy sequels because mm. I I think that the the characters feel true to where they were in the fact that they haven't moved on. Yeah. Um, and things have just got worse for them. Like, Spud especially. Poor old Spud. Well, yeah, because um, cause he says, you know, you ruined my life by leaving me that money because I was a junkie. What do you think I was going to do with it? Well, yeah. I am a junkie, wasn't it? Cause... Well, that's the thing. And you, you kind of think, it's it, while it would have been nice to leave that, you know, the... the the open-ended, you know, all possibilities, mm. you know, maybe maybe Spud was inspired by Renton fucking off and just decided to clean up and, and you know, choose life and mm. choose a family and all that shit. But, yeah, realistically, Fucker was a junkie. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to go in his veins. It's going to go in his veins. That does make sense. A tragic sense. Well, it's sad when he's talking about how he, you know, had... Uh, sort of had his life a bit on track and he had a job and he, he was with uh, Shirley McLean and sorry Shirley Henderson um, mm. 
and they had a son together, but then he just kept sort of missing, was it missing time, wasn't it? Because he said it's daylight savings. But, yeah, he's blaming daylight savings time. But sort of ended up late for work and losing his job and then losing his relationship and, never, and now barely sees his kid. And that was all really sad. And... Mm. Yeah, and I, I, he, that's the thing, when Renson, after coming back from Amsterdam, uh, goes to see him, he's trying to commit suicide. Mm. He's written a suicide note and everything. And he's got a bag over his head and he's, he's injected himself one last time and then Renton managed to save him, but it's fucking disgusting because yeah. he throws up in the bag. And yeah, it definitely has more like it's still got that dark humour to it, but it it gets a little lighter. That that sort of throwing up in the in the bag type thing was that kind of reminded me of the bed sheets poo joke. Yeah, but I think it's probably you know, that's the closest. Yeah, it comes to it. yeah. It, it, when Renton and, and Sick Boy meet each other again and they have a brilliant fight vicious, around yeah. the bar. It's vicious, but it's funny as well. Like, I yeah. don't know. It's entertaining. I don't, I don't know. The, the, the way it ends when um, uh, Sick Boy just sort of like slams Renton's head into a wall. Yeah. In like a wrestling move. I thought you'd like that. But yeah. No, yeah it was that, that, <laughs> that. I tell you what has improved in 20 years is Johnny Lee, Miller, Johnny Lee Miller's scowling face. Yes. He, he's he's got one of the best scowls in the business. Just just the look of utter, he does it loads in elementary, um, but just utter disgust. Yeah, he is he is brilliant. Um, I I I like him in a lot of things, but definitely, I mean, and uh, Veronica even said that who that reminded me of Anna de Armas. Yeah, just, yeah. Just I, you know, pretty, but like that sort of again the foreign accent and and everything, but then. You know, she says in Bulgarian, mm, I believe, yeah, yeah. they're actually super gay for each other and they should just fucking get it over with. And there is that sort of thing. He is like the spurned lover in that thing. The betrayal was, even though he would have done exactly the same thing. And he does the admit betrayal was, Yeah, the betrayal was super personal. And it, it was like like he was run out on or whatever. And, and there is that sort of, I mean, I don't even think it's an undertone. It's just a tone. But yeah, it it is super interesting how they do that, and and I mean, my favourite scene, as I'm sure it's probably yours as well, the song when they go to the um, unionist bar, is it? And then, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and and the the no Catholics left improv song, yes, fucking hysterical, so damn funny. How it's just going so badly, yeah. But yeah, to, they're basically they're to steal people's cards because they're unionists and because they are so single-minded, they can probably guess their pin code. Well, what, well they're um, right. They're right. Yeah. I mean, big letters, sixteen ninety on their arms to make it yeah. look like they've got tattoos. Yeah, yeah. So sixteen ninety, um, and so so yes. Yeah, so, so apparently, there's a gathering. Do they say every month or something? But they sing like pro unionist songs and whatever, and it's all like weird. And yeah. uh, they go in to, to steal cards, but then get sort of stopped at the door and asked to perform. And you're just like, it, it's I think threatened to perform. And... They weren't asked before. Well, yes. They yeah, knew well, they weren't yes. supposed to be there. So it was like, yeah. Yeah, but that's what I mean. But so so then, you know, you have a whole discussion about like Renson can sort of sing and, and Sick Boy can kind of play the piano. He knows a couple of chords. And the improv song that comes out of that eventually is so good it's so funny and um yeah brilliant it, it's such it's such a funny funny scene well I, I like the bit immediately after that when yeah all the cards the pinkos they're just checking most of them say most of the pinkos are 1690 yeah and then a couple of them aren't they yeah. throw them over the shoulder and then like, it's midnight we can do it again so yeah, just I like more cards. yeah it's cool this film got take so it's about 20 years in between these uh, the two films. Partly that was Danny Boyle had said that he wanted the cast to age so it looked like they, that there'd been a long time in between because he said that because they're all Hollywood actors he said they were vain and they wouldn't have looked that much older sort of 10 years down the line. But also he and Ewan McGregor really fell out. Um, Over this film? Or no, just no, 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 no. They made up because uh, so, Ewan McGregor and Danny Boyle worked together for the first three films. The Shallow Grave, um, Trainspotting and A Lifeless Ordinary. And then Ewan McGregor was going to be in the beach but then Leonardo DiCaprio was. He said, 
you know, he's off Titanic and he said, I'm, you know, I want to do this next. Or he showed interest. So he took the role instead and they just didn't work together, didn't see each other for f- f- years. And they're, bo- wow. they're both since, the, um, in that Film Stories podcast, they play a bit of um, a Graham, Nor- Graham Norton interview them both around the time this was released. They, they both sort of had said that they were full and that, you know, they're jealous and they had both of them handled badly and stuff. They're fine now, but yeah, quite sad, really. Yeah. And but, they both uh, went on to have massive success in like yeah, Star Wars and, and, and other films. And, and, and yeah, they made this one up. But at one point, when it was sort of talked about in the mid 2000s, Ian McGregor said that if they were to do a sequel, he wouldn't be part of it. Yes, well, I'm, I'm, glad, they, I'm glad they managed to get the band back together for this one. Uh, we get the return of uh, Bud's Yellow Shades as well. Hmm. Uh, that, was, that was some continuity that I was very happy about. I do like the parallel scenes. Like him smiling through the car window. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he did when he got caught in the running in yeah. the first one. After that scene, he was uh, he was supposed to go back to Kelly McDonald's house. He he goes to hospital to get stitched up because Begbie gets out of prison and stabs him. Mm. And he's supposed to go to hospital and then go back to Kelly McDonald's house. And yeah. so she's supposed to be in it a bit more. I I liked the scene. It it felt enough. Hmm. I like that she was a lawyer. That she did. She yes. Of the of, but then she was at a sort of a posh school anyway in the first film. Yeah, and she did she did like a pro bono kind of thing because that you know she knows how how these things go. Yeah, Begbie, you know, going to prison at the uh, at the end of the first one and then busting out because yeah he wouldn't fucking <laughs> there's no way once they locked him up they wouldn't let him out. So him coming out and then immediately started being toxic again by going home and then starting to sort of influence his son. Trying to get his son a life of crime, yeah. Yeah, I know, and it's so sad. Mm. I mean, he does get a little bit of redemption because he, he actually acts like a decent human being for once and, and, and actually kind of realises that his son is not cut out for the life of crime and he should follow his hotel management course and whatever and because his... Because his dad was a, a, a selfish uh, junkie as well. Well, he was yeah. Well, they, they, yeah. There's a flashback, isn't there, when they're, when they're in a, a train station and they see this man yeah. and Spud, Spud is writing it down. Uh, stories down. He says that he, he was only afterwards he realised that he was Begbie's father. Robert Carlyle played him as well. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. That is awesome. So yes, Begbie is you know just this toxic horrible kind of presence throughout yeah it, his explosive anger is funny and scary hmm. it, because when when he discovers <laughs> renson in in the toilet cubicle next that was a him, great scene that was where they both because yeah, yeah uh you maybe, get, you maybe get, drops you get, sort of vagar under the toilet uh, at the toilet door and they sort of are sort of bickering back and forth and then the sort of dawning realization as they both realize <laughs> realize who they who they're next to yeah and then and then like Fucking rent boy, kind of like peeking, like trying trying to escape as mm. as uh, Begbie is going to the thing, and they're just ah, <laughs> it's so good, mm. so damn good. I I love that scene. That was yeah, the dawning realization was played perfectly, so damn good. I thought Veronica was good in it. I thought it was considering she was pretty much the only brand new character in this, uh, apart from like. That was quite central to the to the plot, and so she was a completely new character coming into it with all these established people who you were very familiar with. I thought she was very mm. good. Yes, I did as well, and uh, and her her kind of taking an interest in in Spud in in that kind of way is it feels earned. Like the fact that she finds him interesting mm. and that she listens to what he says rather than you know tolerate the, the other. Well, the other two are, are, like, talking at her, trying to impress her and all that shit. I mean, you get that one scene where they're just, they're talking over each other and the subtitles are coming up and it's all, you know, everyone's talking at her because she's attractive and because whatever, whereas, whereas I think Spud talks with her and, and, you know, and then listens and, you know, tells them stories about his life and, and that's what becomes a thing, which is cool. I thought she was meant to quite like Renton, because obviously they have a bit of a thing. She she does, but I mean, either she sees sex as just quite transactional because of because of like her being used in sort of sick boys 
blackmail mm. schemes and whatever. Or she does, but then she she's also been around Sick Boy to know that he's just Renton's kind of just another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's no different than Sick Boy, really. Yeah, and if she didn't fucking cut that off, she would never get back home and and get to the thing. So I like, and I like the fact that Spud wins in this one. It's and then nice. she d- she doesn't give him the money because she says she'll send it back to, um, yeah, to his ex wife family. Son. Yeah, to his family. yeah, yeah, and that's that's really sweet. That's a genuinely and again that shows a proper character right? because he's thinking of someone other than himself. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. it's not the four thousand pounds going straight on drunk. It's 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 a lot of money going to the people in his life who need it the most. That's that's great. That's really cool. And you know he he says he says in the the suicide note and everything that he's just not the man that they need him to be. But mm. unfortunately, he kind of is by the end. But unfortunately, kind of not part of it. He gives them the money, and that's enough. But then you don't because he because he's writing the stories down, and it is apparently the text from the train spotting book, and sort of written because that's written in uh, the the Scottish dialect. What Spud is writing is the book, so I guess. Does he then go go on to be a published author? Maybe I would imagine so. It, it seems it seems like he would become a success because of the way that he. Because even even Begbie, because I do like the fact that Begbie finds out that he's in stories, mm. um, and and you know the re- realization because they're, they're you know they're not fun things that they're recounting. But then Begbie always sees it as like a. Reliving his glory days. Yeah. yeah, like it, he's he's such an egotistical prick. Hmm. So yeah, no, it is very very well done. It, it's um, very bright as well. It, it, it makes um it makes the place look nice. You know, There's sort of the difference between the griminess of of the of the nineties and how the, it says all been gentrified pretty much apart from Sick Boy's pub. Mm-hmm. I thought that and yeah. and the end credits where you got all their sort of tower blocks being demolished. Yeah. I like the bit weirdly where they just they just sit and watch a rubber bandits video. That just yeah, that feels kind of just nice. Mm. Yeah, I, I there there are lots of things that, that I like. I think it does get to the the core of friendship to a certain extent. The the fact that they they do care for each other, but it's just they've got to get through all that selfish bullshit first. And you know, the only one who doesn't care is Begbie. Because he's he's the you know he's he's the outside antagonist he's the fucking guy who holds the grudge and everything like that. No, it's cool. It's it's it is a it is a cool sequel. I am I am pleased they did it. Hmm. I I really enjoyed it. I think of the two, I'd probably I'd be more likely to go back and watch T two again because I think it's less harrowing. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, we're we're at that point in the podcast now where we we talk about. Do we have franchise fatigue? And it, it's not super applicable to this one, is well, it? Well, Danny Ball has discussed the possibility of a third one. Um, he said it could be spin-off centred around Begbie, because there's an Irvine Welsh model, the Blade Art uh, novel, sorry, called The Blade Artist. Um, but it wouldn't be a sequel, because a, a, a full sequel, because some of the other characters come into it, but they're only sort of momentarily mentioned. It's like a solo mm. story. And Carlisle has been... Um, open. Great first name, Robert Carlisle. He's been open to an adaptation of it, and in December twenty one, he confirmed that there is a Carlisle confirmed there is a Begbie spin off in development. Irvine Welsh has hinted as has hinted a train spotting television series as possible, but Boyle has said he wants to direct a true sequel rather than spin off, and maybe sort of mm. do them all again when they're sixty or something. Oh God, I think that'd be even more depressing. You probably couldn't have Begbie breaking out again, <laughs> and I'm not sure no. because he'd sort of. Got out and committed quite a few crimes when he was out and escaped from prison. I don't know how likely they'd be to let him out. Yeah, but maybe the others go into prison. Yeah, true. Not to bust him out, they just just prison, crime. Yeah. Eventually, you know, it just catches up with them, and they they're all imprisoned. But no, yeah, no, I, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a I, I think yeah, T two is probably more enjoyable than Transporting. Yes, Transporting is a very very good film, and, and I think it's a very essential film. Um, yeah, I think Train Spotting is the superior movie, but because of mm. its the fact it's Train Spotting, the fact that this is a legacy sequel that actually works mm. and doesn't 
sort of desecrate the memory and doesn't no, that's spend true, its actually. time doesn't spend its time kind of like chasing nostalgia and makes a meta commentary about it and everything. I think is it's if you're gonna do it, this is the smart way to do it. Because it could have and... gone down the route of because sometimes you you can be sort of quite disappointed where people end up when you sort of join yeah. them, and I think it's quite realistic. Good, that, yeah, as you said, you you could have if it never made it made it, you could have had any head that Spud cleans up and 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 you know goes but, on to have a happy ending. But it's unlikely. But it, but him, yeah, it's unlikely him, you know, using spending all the money on the on on drugs is realistic, and it's realistic that Brenton did escape, but it didn't sort him out. He did. He didn't get what he wanted, mm. and he did get drawn back to, to 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 where he grew up. So it actually feels true to the characters. It it feels it feels kind of authentic, mm. and it feels like a nice companion piece to train spotting you can't beat train spotting train spotting is just it is what it is but if you're going to do a sequel this is how you do it so i think in terms of franchise fatigue the, the spin off maybe i i could see that maybe you know i i'm not super familiar with the books but i i would kind of prefer they leave it there in mm. terms of the the main thing cuz i again i i think you have to be so delicate with these things cuz you then yeah. you you just you're just increasing the the height you fall from after after you know you do a, a great film and then then you do a legacy sequel which is you know still a bad idea in general for lots of things and then that somehow works and then you're still building and you're not like the third level and it's just i just leave it leave yes i think it, i think if every sequel to a legacy sequel is really running a risk of because like yeah. I, I don't really think it needs to do more bad boys and we said that in our um bad boys episode that you know mm. You've been lucky once, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Like so, it, it's I, I don't know. I I don't have franchise fatigue, but I don't want it to continue. Hmm. Um, a a Begbie kind of spin off the fact that there there is already a book, and and Carlisle is interested in the whole thing. Then yeah, sign me up because he acts the shit out of that role, and he's great. But yeah, I mean, in terms of ranking, I think it has to be. Chronological. Yeah, but yeah, no, I'd agree. We have an accord. Agree, but I don't. I, it's not a massive gap between them. Not, not as massive as you would think. It is a damn good sequel, and and kind of, kind of weirdly life affirming in a way as well. As I said, like even though it's depressing that none of them have really moved on and whatever, it's just like there is something that you know, like Renton is is. Kind of happy in his own little bubble at the end. Yeah, it goes back to living you know, his dad as well. Yeah, and he's in he's in his old room with the train wallpaper, and you know, and and yeah, it's it's cool. It is it is a cool cool film. Oh, I his, enjoyed it very much. One last thing: his choose life speech in the second film, where he's sat with Veronica. Oh, I like that as and, well. And she asks him about choose life, and. And he sort of starts off by kind of being jokey, but then goes into this massive rant about you know, Facebook and things. And um, but was, yeah, that was really good. I, I love that using the advert for the film, mm. as yeah. as it was in the first one. But no, it was, yeah, oh, two two very good films. Well done, mm. everybody. Uh, well done, all involved. Damn good. Okay. Cool, cool, cool two film little thing. If you've got a night and you, you fancy shooting up some heroin, yeah. Stick on friend spotting and then T two. It was glucose. Although you and McGregor did go to some, uh, I think rehab people to find out how to cook it authentically, and did consider uh, injecting for real at one point. Didn't, but considered it. Well, if, if authenticity is your goal, then nothing beats it like the real thing, I suppose. Don't it's the do real drugs. thing. That was their slogan for a while, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, don't do drugs apart from the cool ones. That is our official stance. Rob really likes skag. Don't anybody. End, at the ends of packets of crisps. <laughs> yes. That's it, man. End it. Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for your time and thank you for listening. We'd love to have your feedback. Please email podcast at thepopcornbucket.com. You can find us on Instagram at popcornbucketpod or over on Twitter at popcornbucketpd. Thank you so much to Laura Cerner of Longcamp Media for the theme music. If you're able to, it'd be great if you can rate the episode wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe and share. Many thanks. Take care. And see you next episode. What he said.
Do, 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 do.